Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are you ready for the Bible this morning? All right, very good. I want to um, open up this morning with Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross. Would you say, get ready to cross? Get ready to cross. Thank you online as well. I hear you. Uh, staring at that screen going, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give you to the Israelites. I will give you every place you set your foot, as I promised Moses. I don't know about you, but um, there are times in my life where I remember things that God has put in my heart as promises. And I... and. Then there are moments where God calls back and he goes, remember that promise? Remember that thing I put in your heart a long time ago? You know, for Joshua, it had been 40 years since he had been into and seen that promised land. And now the Lord is visiting Joshua and saying, now this promise that I made to your predecessor Moses, I'm going to fulfill that promise right now. Let's take a moment let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the authority and the power that is in your word. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit who teaches us all things. We thank you, God, for the opportunity, God, to, to listen to your word, to receive your word, and God, for it, it to be life for us. And we just give you permission today, Lord, to speak to us through your word. Lord, I pray for the empowerment and the leading of your spirit. I just pray, God, that what's in your heart will come through. Just get out of the way and say, God, Let's uh, hear from you and from your word. We love you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. A few weeks ago, I started uh, this series called Crossing Over. And, you know, as we're transitioning into this new year, um, there's, I, I wanted to talk about this idea of transition, transition points. And we're looking at a couple of key transition points in Scripture. The first one being that of Moses leading the people through the Red Sea. And we spent uh, part one and part two talking about that. Um, last week, we had a great message from Brenda about um, where will you go? I thought, some people are going to read that and go, this is about hell. That's what this is about. <laughs> not that that's not a serious matter that, that needs to be taken account of, but it was actually like, you know, where else are you going to go but serve the Lord, right? Like if you made a decision, don't leave now, hang in there, right? But the, the, the real crux to that message was the battle is the Lord's, and that he's the one who fights, and it's just such a great message. If you missed it, you can catch it. It was last week's message, and it really fits really well even with this series that we're doing, and it was kind of cool how, how God does that kind of thing, right? Even, in, even though we're just scheduling things, God's like, oh, I'm scheduling some stuff. Um, and so this week, we're in part three of Crossing Over, and God announces to Joshua that after 40 years, it's time to take hold of this promised land. And, you know, Joshua, like I said, had seen it 40 years ago. He and Caleb were two of the 12 spies who had gone into the land. They originally spied the land out. And when Caleb and Joshua came back, they were just excited. They were just like, yes, you know, we can do this. God can do this. But the other 10 were like, I don't know. 
There are giants in that land. They're bigger than us. They're stronger than us. And they were looking at the adversity. They were looking at the battle, but they weren't looking at the Lord and what he could do and what he was calling them to do. And the fear spread out through the camp, and it ended up causing them to wait a 40 years. A whole generation would pass away, but Joshua and Caleb are still standing, and they're still leading, and they're ready to enter in um, because they, they had that faith early on. You know, we, one of the things we looked at in part one and part two was we were looking at maturity, and we were talking about how, like, you know, this journey of Egypt and wilderness and promised land, it, it so parallels the Christian uh, experience, right? You're in Egypt and bonded to sin, and Jesus, he saves you and brings you out, and you're a brand new person, and you have this freedom, but there's all this growing that needs to happen, right? There's all this, like, like maturity that needs to happen. We saw Moses, who he had already been through a maturity process in the wilderness before leading them out, and now he was going to lead the people of God through this, this time of maturity, and you know, as you're looking at this story and you're looking at maturity and looking at, you know, growing older, one of the things that, you know, is, is interesting to me is if you allow it and you allow the process to work inside of you, your courage grows as you grow older. You know, you know financial fears lessen. Doesn't mean all the time that financial problems disappear, but financial fears lessen. And, and you know, relationship fears lessen. And, you know, professional fears lessen. And the reason is, is because you've seen some adversity and you've seen God get you through it. And you just start to look at life and look at adversity and look at these things going, you know, it might not all be pretty, but I know God can do this because I've seen him do some things. And, and some courage grows, you know, some courage uh, can grow in you when you allow the Lord to do that work in you. You know, this transition of going into the land of Canaan marked a huge transition in leadership. Moses has passed away, and he's dead. And Joshua is now going to lead the people. And, you know, things are different now. You know, they've have, they have 40 years of history, 40 years together, 40 years of worship with the, the tabernacle of Moses and things like the, the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant and, you know, the, the holy place and the most holy place and all of these things that they had, these, this form of worship, if you will. They didn't have any of that built or any of those mechanisms in place when they were first coming out. And for a while, Moses was, if you will, kind of like the only adult in the room. As a matter of fact, his leadership style really reflected it because he, he was like the, everything passed through him. Everything had to be him. But as he grew as a, a leader and as the people grew, he put more and more leaders in place. And the people had just a long way to go to mature. But see, now things are different. Now, Mo, and now Joshua, he has more leaders. And he has an established priesthood. And what's fascinating to me is looking at how they pass through the Red Sea versus how they pass through the Jordan is very different. With the Red Sea, it was very Moses-centric in that moment. It was very about like, all right, Moses, just, you know, the people are going to stand. Now you stop whining to me and just stretch out your staff and, you know, and split that Red Sea. And sure enough, it splits. He's like, all right, everybody, let's go kind of thing. This is going to look really different. We're going to get into that in just a moment. In Joshua chapter 2, um, Joshua sends just two spies into the land. I think that's funny. Not 12, two. I'm thinking, he picked those really, really carefully. He was like, we don't, need, we don't need a bunch of people. We just need two good spies. And I want some people with some faith. I wonder if he had any like test for them or anything like that. 
Uh, Bobby Boy, the other day, he put these Oculus-like virtual reality things on me. I'd never worn them in my life. And I get in them, and it's like I'm in this elevator. The elevator opens, and there's this plank before me. And I'm like, I was arrested. I'm in his living room. I know I'm in his living room. I couldn't do a thing. I was paralyzed. And I'm just sitting there, and there's this plank. And you look down, and you're like 30 stories up, and you look, and it, it looks like you're going to fall. And I was just arrested. I know it wasn't real. I know. But I wonder if Joshua had any Oculus things. Like he put that on them and he's like, all right, begin to watch. If you want a good story about it, just ask Christopher. He watched me. And like the thing was creaking as I was walking on it. It freaked me out for sure. Thank you for that, Bobby. Um, but I, wanna, I wonder, you know, those two spies go out. They spy the land. They look at it. Um, and when they did... What the two spies found out from Rahab is that everyone had heard, like where they were, everywhere around Jericho, everywhere, everyone had heard about the Red Sea 40 years ago. And everyone had heard about the battles that God had won them over 40 years. And it says that all of their hearts were melting with fear. And what God was showing them is, I've already struck fear in the enemy. And they brought that report back. I think this is interesting for us because, you know, when God's calling us to move forward, when God is calling us to do something, I, I see uh, Joshua, he is, he's using some strategy and preparation, but he's also using prayer and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Like, what is God asking me to do? And I think that's something that we want to develop as we mature is both practical preparation and strategy, but then also what is God saying? right? I think for, for many of us, we typically lean one way or another. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's all strategy and preparation, and it's, Lord, bless my plan, please. You know, or I'm not sure, but you know, because of that sense of control. Or on the other side, it's kind of like a kind of a hyper-spirituality. Well, you know, I'm just going to, you know, show up at the car lot, and they're going to give me a car today. And I appreciate that. If that happens, I'm going to bless you, and you're going with me to the car lot. But there's probably some strategy with prayer, what is God saying, and wisdom. He gave us, brain, you know, like putting it all together, and I see Joshua doing that. However, that being said, you know what's always required when God is moving you? Faith and obedience. Always, always, always. If you remove faith and obedience, it's probably not God right? I mean, there's just something about that. Now, let's jump into the story of Joshua chapter 3, where they're going to cross through the Jordan River. It says in Joshua 3, 2, after three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. That's about a football field, by the way. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. Let me paint this picture for you. What's going to happen is this ark of the covenant, which was a box that was laden with gold, and it had these, these um, gold... Um, beings, if you will, that were called cherubim, and they're facing each other. And what would happen is Moses would go, and God would speak to him from out between them. Like, and that Ark of the Covenant, it represented 
like the closest place to the presence, the, the imminent presence of God you could get on earth. I mean, God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. But, you know, there are times when you're like, oh, God is here, right? And that's, the Ark of the Covenant was that to them. It was that place, right? Now, what, what Moses or what Joshua, I'm going to do that all the time. I just switch them, Moses, Joshua. What Joshua is going to do is he's going to say, all right, we want the Ark of the Covenant, this box, and we want the priesthood, and they're going to go out in front. That's pretty cool, right? It's like God and his priesthood are going to lead us through this. He says to them, he says, listen, you've never been this way before. How are you about God leading you to places you've never been before? See, this generation has never been this way before. And I think there are times in our lives where God says, you know what, I know you've been doing this a long time. I know you've never gone this way before, but are you willing to go this way? Um, you know, on Monday we put Ethan on a plane, our son Ethan, and he went to a YWAM discipleship training school in California, and bless Elizabeth, such maturity, put, dropping her son off at the airport and just letting him fly away. And it really reminded me of the day that uh, I went to a Portland Bible College in Oregon. There's something about being that age and just ending up on the other coast, and y'all, it's different over there. Now, I got Portland, which is beautiful, but he got like L.A. in the beach, so I'm a little jealous. Um, he got a little bit of an upgrade there. But, you know, this idea that you've never been this way before is cool. On the phone this week, he said, Dad, he said, at first I wasn't sure if I can handle all of this. He said, but now that I'm here and I see it, yeah, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And I thought, man, that's really cool. Like God has settled him. This, you haven't been this way before, but God is with you. And I just want to encourage you, if God is saying you've never been this way before, he does that. But it is worth the adventure. It is so worth it. And you got a question. Are you just looking for safety or are you looking for God's plan, right? And I'm not saying take unnecessary risk. You know, Joshua sends the spies in and all of that. But, man, safety is overrated. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, did you just say that? Here's the thing. God will keep you safe. He won't keep you comfortable. He'll keep you safe. And I think most of us have a real confidence that he will keep me safe. It's the comfortable part that we're really fighting, right? But I want to tell you, comfortable ain't fun. What's fun is God's plan. That's an adventure. There's nothing like being on the front row watching what God is doing. It brings such a joy to your life, watching God work. Then he says to him, he says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow... The Lord will do amazing things. When he says consecrate yourselves, it's this idea of set yourself apart. Get yourself ready. It's kind of like, you know, when Easter Sunday's coming and you're just like, all right, all right, I'm pulling out some different clothes for Easter, right? I'm consecrating myself. I'm getting myself ready for this, you know, because Easter Sunday's coming and, and this, is, this is such a special day and you kind of like set your heart apart, set yourself apart, like I am ready for this day. Consecrate yourself is like, okay, I am pushing out all the distractions of the world and I'm ready for what God is going to do. And then what happens is, is Joshua begins to declare to the people, he says to them, listen, this is exactly what God is going to do. And I, I look at this like as a leader, and I'm like, bold play, Joshua, bold play. Like he tells these millions of people, all right, here's what's going to happen. We're going to send the ark out with the priest, 
to the Jordan River that happens to be at flood stage because, I mean, if God's going to do a miracle, let's do this, right? Sends them out of blood, at flood stage. The water upstream is going to pile up and we are going to cross this river. It ain't happening yet. And he's telling them it's going to happen. Bold play. I, I, I think it's so fascinating to me that he's declaring it before it happens. I think sometimes we can get a little weird and funky with our declarations and stuff. We start making stuff up. But see, what Joshua is doing is he's declaring what God has spoken to him. And when you're declaring what God, agree, what God has spoken to you, you're coming in agreement with him, and that's a really, really good thing. As a matter of fact, you back up in chapter 1. Three times in chapter 1, this is what God says to, Moses, to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. I wonder if this is one of those moments where he was going to have to be strong and courageous, right? Like, all right, tell all the people. Tell them what I'm about to do. Well, Lord, could you like just start the miracle first and then I'll tell them? But no, Joshua is like, you know, it's also interesting because like Joshua has seen this happen before. So maybe there's kind of like a high calling, like, no, no, you're not taking a staff and putting it out. You're putting the priesthood and the ark out there, and they are going to, to move forward. And you know what? It happens just as Joshua says. He puts the priesthood out there. He puts the ark out there. And sure enough, that, that Jordan River dries up and piles up upstream at flood stage, and these millions of people just will pass through the Jordan River onto the other side, and they've seen God move. I mean, it really is just a miraculous kind of passing through to the other side. And, and just to kind of give you the, the backdrop of the story, God had made a promise to their, their um, great, 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 great grandpa Abraham that he was going to give him a people and that they were going to have a land. And that people were these people, the people of Israel, and the land was the land of Canaan, which we know of as Israel, right? Like, this was the promise. This was the fruition of something that had been promised hundreds of years before, and they were now entering into it. But it's different how they're entering in now, right? The story with Moses was Moses with a staff. Now we have Joshua, and there's a priesthood and an ark. That priesthood is the priesthood of of worship and sacrifice and all of that. And the ark is, the, is of course, that, that presence of, represents that presence of God going before them. It's really a beautiful picture of where they've come as a people and that God is now moving through them and through his, his priesthood and through worship and through his presence, not just an anointed leader. Isn't that cool? I'm going to come back to that in a moment. I want to wrap up. Um, this series with a couple of points that I feel like um, are really profound in these stories. One of the things I've, I've attempted to do is like just develop the, how God is maturing his people. The whole story of Egypt, wilderness, Canaan is supposed to represent what God is doing in our lives as far as wanting to bring maturity. And that the work of maturity is something he's doing. And the work of maturity is a participation sport. Like, it is something that you and I cooperate with, and he matures us. Does he love us less when we resist him? No, he loved you before you ever came to him. But he won't relent, and I don't mean that in a vicious or an aggressive way, but he won't relent from his desire for maturity because he's put amazing things in you, and he wants to draw them out. And maturity is part and parcel of that process. 
what's fascinating to me is when you read this story and they, they cross to the other side, and you're thinking, man, oh, yeah? I mean, can you imagine the experience that they've just had. As a matter of fact, they send you know, a person from each tribe to the middle of the Jordan, go get yourself a big, small, smooth stone, and we're going to make an, uh, uh, an altar here or a, a monument here on the other side just to remember what God did so we can tell our kids, 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 and kids, and you know, their children's children what happened here. Can you imagine like the thrill of, oh man, God is in this, right? The first thing that God tells them to do when they get to the other side he says, all right, all the adult men, get circumcised. Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> and some of y'all are like, ain't that just like God? <laughs> but here's the thing. There's a lot in this. One of the things is the people had been disobedient. They were supposed to circumcise the children on the eighth day of their life, these boys, right? And these men have grown up and they're not circumcised. So they're not in obedience. Somewhere along the way, they're just kind of like, eh, you know, who cares if I yell at my wife? Who cares if I, you know, uh, you know do some mean things or steal a little bit? I'm, I'm, basically, I'm saying, he, who cares about a little bit, bit of disobedience in this area? Here's the thing. Like, God doesn't, it's not like he forgets what he asks you to do. Right? If he asks you to treat your wife right, he, like, he means it. <laughs> Which he is asking you to treat your wife right. Um, you don't have to... You don't even have to ask him, I'll tell you right now. (laughs) But I'm using that as an example. This isn't just about circumcision. This is about obedience, simple obedience. And the thing is, is the people on the other side, I wonder if some people thought, you know what, it's pretty good. You know, I'm about 90% in, and this is really good. He's like, are you about to get 100% in? (laughs) Adult men, (laughs) I won't go any further. We're in mixed company. They sat around for three days hurting. I just... My, my brain right, is just like walking around. And he's you know, just like. I just can't get over it. But here's the thing in the natural, in the natural, like, you just came through the Jordan. Like, this is the time to go take Jericho. This is the time to go take these cities. This is the time to move forward. And God says, no. This is the time to cut some stuff away. And they were experiencing weakness right after great victory. So there's a couple things going on. One is the obedience part. But the other part is this weakness, this experiencing of weakness. And see, the thing is, is you know, circumcision is kind of like a gross thing to talk about and stuff like that. But admittedly, I kind of enjoy it when stuff like this is in the Bible because I have to be good all the time with what I say. So it's fun for me. Um, but... This, this thing of circumcision, what it represents is a cutting away of the flesh, not like just literal flesh, but your carnal nature, your sinful nature. And when that happens, it feels like there's some death going on inside. It feels like something is going, like, like it ain't pretty, it ain't fun. It hurts. Um, <laughs> for y'all who are on the, you know, watching or listening, folks in the in-person service are just uh, having a, a hard time, you know, handling the maturity of this message. <laughs> I hope that you're enjoying it as well. But there is a real truth here about cutting away your carnal nature. And the, 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 don't, don't miss this, right? There are moments where you have a great victory and you're like, yeah, God. And then it, 
you'll have a moment where it's just like, why do I feel so weak? Why do I feel like, like something is dying? Like, why, why am I now going through something hard? Is God just trying to, like, you know, give me a, a bipolar experience or something like that? No, not, not, it's not about that. God's not, he's not trying to punish you. He's not trying to check you. He's trying to mature you. This is about maturity. This is about what he is forming in you. He's not trying to punish you or hurt you. The things that he asks you to do, the expectations that he has in your life, they are for you, not against you. Because he is for you, not against you. And so when those moments of, of weakness come out or where you experience in yourself, uh, man, I just had this amazing experience with God. I came home and I, I didn't treat my kid the way I really wanted to treat my kid. You know what? That's weakness in you. God knows that he loves you and he wants to touch your life and continue to mature you. But see, what happens for some of us is we get demoralized when we feel the weakness. We thought, man, I thought I had it. No, that was real. You really went through the Jordan. God really did do that. You can really rejoice in that. And yeah, there's still things in you that he's working. Both are okay. The key is trust him. Trust him through the Jordan. Trust him when it's time to cut some things away. Trust him. He's not, he's not trying to mess with you. He's maturing you. And he has plans for good. The second thing... I want to point out from this is, again, I've really um, felt like I needed to focus on the maturity process that happens between the Red Sea and going through the Jordan. Fascinating to me is when I see this priesthood and I see this ark going through and I go up to the New Testament and I think about, so what does the New Testament say about this? In 1 Peter 2.9, it says, but you... All of you who have called upon Jesus, all of you who believed in him, who follow him, all of you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Do you know what I think if we were supposed to cross through a body of water today? Do you know, God has a million ways that he could do things. But I have a feeling, you know what he would do? He would tell all of us to walk up there, the priest. And he would fill us all with his presence, the Holy Spirit who uh, has made us born again when we receive Jesus into our lives. The Holy Spirit, that ark, we don't need the ark, his presence is in us. I think we'd probably all walk up to that water together and say, all right, everybody, you ready? Step in. Because the thing is, is now God's not trying to create this division of, well, there's the priesthood and then there's everybody else. He's always had in his heart that you are his priest. And when I say priest, I don't mean like you got to wear a collar. I mean that you minister unto the Lord. You worship him and you honor him and he visits you and you have a living relationship to him. And while we pray together, you don't need someone to reach God for you. You've got the bat phone yourself. All you need to do is call and he's listening. All you need to do is worship him and he's right there. You, we, don't, we don't need all, the, all of that because the reality is there's a kingdom of priests. There's a priesthood of all believers and he has ch- uh, chosen you and he has called you into this priesthood and he has asked you to come before him. I got a feeling if they were, where we were to play that story today, we'd all be at the water together and we'd be all, all like, all right, you all ready? Let's do this. I'm just kind of hoping he doesn't make me say what's going to happen. Because <laughs> I look at that and I'm like, oh gosh, that's, that's impressive. That's impressive. 
I'm mostly kidding. Um, I want to encourage you today that when you see this story and when you see these crossings over and when you see these transitions in your own life, to know that God is relentlessly, and I don't mean aggressively, I mean relentlessly maturing you. He cares about what he's developing in you. It's not so that he can love you more. That's not the purpose of why we mature. And God gives us examples. We mature our children. Do we mature them so that we can love them? No. We mature them because that's what happens. That's life. That's the normal process. And y'all, us adults, whether you're you know, 17 or 77, he's still maturing you. Some of y'all are like, you didn't even get to my age. I know, I got you. All right. And he's maturing all of us. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray with you. I want to tell you today, as you listen to this story and this maturity process and all of that, if you've never made that commitment in your own life, Jesus, come into my life and save me. All you have to do is cry out to him and invite him in and say, God, I believe what you accomplished through Jesus on the cross, that he has paid for my sins. And I ask, would you forgive my sin and remove my shame? Would you give me the empowerment of your spirit to live this life? And I will follow after you and the journey of knowing it. And you will be born again. You will start your life anew. And if you're listening today and you go, you know what? I did that, but I, I kind of got off track. I took a different way. God is ready for you to re-enlist. He is ready for you to commit your heart to him again. All you need to do is cry out to him and say, God, come in my life. Come and be the Lord of my life. If you're making that decision and you're online or listening to the podcast, would you go to victorychristian.church and click on next steps? Because that decision deserves to be celebrated. And we have people who want to walk with you and rejoice with you as you journey with Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We worship you today. And Lord, today, I'm just going to be bold and speak for all of us. We give you permission to mature us. We give you permission to work in us. God, we thank you that anytime you ask us to consecrate ourselves or to cut something away, God, that you, you there's a grace there and an, an ability from you and a, enablement of the Spirit to do so. And so, Lord, in that moment, help us to just cross over into obedience. God, I thank you for us as a church family, but also individual families, those moments of crossing over, crossing over into a new season, crossing over into a new adventure of the Lord. And God, we just, we celebrate, God, your miracles and your miraculous provision. And we look to you and God, we want to follow after you. Say, ultimately, Lord, you're out front. You are out front. We want to follow you. God, for those who have been struggling in a transition or, or, or feel stuck, right now, God, I ask you just to move them out. I, I believe, God, some people feel like they're just stuck in the sand and uh, they're just weighted down. And, and God, it, this is a moment to just kind of get pull people up and just move people forward. And I just pray for fresh grace and fresh strength, God, to move forward. God, we love you. God, we trust you. We honor you and we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church. 
great day. 